Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. Tired of your tentmate's flashlights shining in your eyes in camp? Bring an empty half-gallon milk jug or clear water bottle. Simply strap a headlamp around it, and it becomes a soft white lantern for everyone to see the light. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. Write that. Write that down, Fumi Saito. Hi, everyone. I'm Justin Nipper, and this week we have a special edition of Write That Down for you. Uh, this week is the third year since we lost Hanakimura. And when she passed away, I wrote what was going to be one article that ended up turning into a four-piece article essay, I don't know, about not just Hana, but her mother, Kyoko Kimura, who was not just a very important figure in this story, but arguably the other main character in this story. There's so much that I want to say and that I wanted to say, but I just past couple of years, it's, it's still so jumbled feeling. I don't know how to articulate a lot of what I feel about everything. There's good and there's bad, there's everything. And it speaks to the aftershock that Hana left on all of us. Not just wrestling fans, but fans of Terrace House or fans of Hana Kimura on Terrace House, rather. This goes over Hana and Kyoko Kimura's life and adventures together. And I think, and I hope I did a good job of explaining or showing how many layers of the story that there really are. And there's so many ways uh, we can relate to parts of this story. From Hana's point of view, not just as an active wrestler, but also as someone growing up in Japan, half Japanese, Kyoko Kimura is so unlike any other wrestler that I've ever learned about or watched. And it's worth spending your time learning about her if you are a fan of Hanakimura. So I hope that if you if you're familiar with the articles that I wrote on FightGameMedia.com a couple of years ago, they're still there. We'll post links to them, uh, and this is me reading it. So enjoy. I hope you get something out of it. It really changed how I approach writing. And to be honest, it kind of made me not want to write, write, that, write that down. creative nonfiction, you know, since then. Again, there's so many jumbled feelings about 
something when you get so close to it. And I wasn't even that close. It's still something I think we're all processing. And it had a lot of... Not consequences, but... After effects. It's just what it is, I guess. I hate that term, but I don't know what else to say. So... Learn, enjoy, dive into the very unique and interesting life of the Kimura family. And uh, also, if you are interested, this week, uh, Pink's, the Hanem Kimura tribute show at Korokan Hall, aired, and you can buy it on Fight TV. And yes, Fumi Saito is on commentary on this event. I believe he did it with Jungle Kiona. So quick housekeeping if you have not already please subscribe to the fight game media network spotify apple stitcher amazon music that's right wherever you listen to the podcasts if you're not already subscribed hit the button it helps a lot that said this is hana was here but she left early Here, but she left early by Justin Nipper. Part 1 Walking in Storms. Hanakimura's wake was a few weeks after she had passed. While it was closed to the public, many Joshi pro wrestling stars from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s were there in attendance, including legends like Akira Hokuto, Shigusa Nagayo, Manami Toyota. Aja Kong, Mima Shimoda and Etsuko Mita, and current stars like Meiko Satomura and Hiroyo Matsumoto. The funeral ceremony was Buddhist. Traditional Buddhist ceremonies often call for a picture of the deceased to be placed atop the casket, along with flowers and other personal items of theirs. White flowers are commonplace at funerals, though most of the flowers at Hana's ceremony were pink. Towards the end of the ceremony, an announcement was made. The casket would be open for anyone who wanted to see Hannah once more, for a brief time before the end of the wake. Fumi Saito is one of Japan's top wrestling journalists, authors, and historians. He was also among the select few in attendance at Hannah's wake. She wore lots of makeup and had on this really shiny lip gloss. It didn't feel strange though, Saito said. It just looked like she was sleeping. Saito noted that she was buried alongside many chocolate candy bars, her favorite junk food. Kimura was also buried with her iconic neon green outfit. It's also the costume that sparked an incident between herself and a male housemate on a 2020 episode of Terrace House, a reality show on Netflix. Hana Kimura was cremated the day after the funeral. What happened? On March 31st, the night the costume case episode of Terrace House aired, 
Hanakimura was flooded with comments on social media reacting to how she reacted toward her housemate Kai Kobayashi on the episode. From the night the Terrace House episode aired until May 22nd, the day before her death, Hana had received approximately 2,200 tweets. According to a recent NHK article, more than half of those tweets did not relate to the costume case incident, nor were the tweets in support of Kimura. However, nearly 40% of the tweets were classified as, quote, aggressive, according to the same article, and most of them echoing a sentiment of, quote, get off the show, or, quote, go away. Some replies even included the word dead in comments directed towards Kimura. Hanakimura is now the center of Japanese media and has become the number one symbol of social media cyberbullying in Japan since her death. Members of the Japanese government recently cited Kimura's death as a call to reform online commenting on the internet. Few are like Kyoko Kimura. Born on March 19, 1977, Kyoko Kimura fell in love with pro wrestling after seeing the legendary matches between Terry and Dory Funk Jr. versus The Sheik and Abdullah the Butcher in All Japan Pro Wrestling. The Sheik actually wrestled many of his final bouts for a company called FMW, Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling. While there, he also introduced his nephew, Sabu, to the Japanese audience. And while in high school, Kyoko Kimura saw a documentary about the Sheik on television, and it was from this point she decided to become a pro wrestler. In 1993, Kyoko dropped out of the 10th grade and joined the FMW Dojo. She was in the same rookie class as Masato Tanaka. It was a short-lived dream, however. After injuring both of her knees early into her training, Kyoko was forced into an early retirement from wrestling. But it wasn't the end of her journey. At this point, the door had closed for Kyoko on pro wrestling, or at least one in Japan had. She's a free spirit, an adventurer, you know? She's kind of fearless, Fumi Saito explained. She has the adventure bug. Fumi Saito went on to say, She told me she read my articles in the weekly pro wrestling magazine, and from those she decided that going to Mexico or the Malenko school in Florida would be the best schools for her. Kimura then moved to Mexico to learn Lucha Libre. She stayed in Tijuana where she met Eiji Izaki, the young man who would later turn into superstar high flyer Hayabusa in FMW only a few years later. After a few months of living and learning in Mexico, Kyoko was forced to go back to Japan because her money ran out. Lotus Blooms in Indonesia. Kyoko Kimura wouldn't stay in Japan for long. After working a few jobs and saving some cash, she spent time traveling around Asia next. And much of her time was spent discovering Southeast Asia particularly, but she also spent time in Indonesia where she would earn wages as a dishwasher and do other side jobs, saving her money. At the age of 19, Kyoko met an Indonesian man whom she'd marry. It was a short-lived relationship, though. After the couple had Hana in 1997, Kyoko and her husband separated, and Kyoko decided to move back to Japan with Hana and live as a single mother. 
a concept that means something much different in Japan than in the West. Single mothers usually cannot work long hours in addition to their childcare responsibilities, which seriously diminishes their chances of getting hired anywhere in Japan. It's also common to list one's family members on a resume, though this often means if a mother lists a child but no husband, employers will grill her about the children, about who'd be taking care of them, or about whether or not they'd be able to find reliable yet elusive daycare services. According to Kingston and Michiko Osawa's article, Japan, The Precarious Future, while 77% of Japanese women with a college degree want to rejoin the workforce after first having a child, only 43% are able to land a job, compared to the 73% of those who get rehired in the United States. Despite the circumstances, Kyoko would spend the next five years raising Hannah by herself, a single mother in Japan, while still pursuing her dream of becoming a pro wrestler. Kyoko Kimura is inevitable. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. After Hannah's birth, Kyoko Kimura separated from her husband in Indonesia and moved back to Japan with baby Hannah in tow. Life as a single mother isn't easy, especially in Japan, though Kyoko never let this crush her dream of becoming a pro wrestler. Barely into her 20s, Kyoko started training again, this time at the JWP Dojo in Tokyo. As a single mother, she regularly brought baby Hana to the dojo on her bicycle, where Hana would then sit and watch for most of her early life. In 2003, 10 years after her false start in FMW, Kyoko Kimura would graduate from the JWP Dojo. In Japan, it's common for graduates to take part in something called the 100 Bump Challenge when they finish their training. The idea is to take every kind of basic bump possible like body slams, snap mares, shoulder blocks, and do them at least a hundred times. When five-year-old Hana Kimura saw this happening to her mother, she stormed the ring and shielded Kyoko, screaming, Stop hurting her! At age 25, Kyoko Kimura finally made her pro debut for JWP on July 20th, 2003, losing to Erika Watanabe in her first bout. The Sabu Story 
earlier, we learned about Kyoko's love of the Sheik, the person who most inspired her to wrestle. His last active years in the wrestling business were with FMW, where Kyoko trained in 1993, undoubtedly a factor in her decision to join FMW in the first place. Kyoko was still a rookie student when the Sheik's nephew, Sabu, debuted for the company, which by that time had caught fire nationally and had quickly become a top promotion in Japan. Sabu was over like crazy in FMW, where he was known to launch himself through tables decades before it transformed into a run-of-the-mill pro-wrestling spot. In the ring, Sabu was special, and crowds in Japan understood what they were seeing was one of a kind, and his time in FMW is what first cemented his name into the Japanese wrestling industry for good. Rookies in Japanese dojo systems are often required to take care of wrestlers outside the ring. Taking care of dirty laundry, shopping, and preparing daily meals, cleaning the dojo, this is all commonplace stuff, and not just in pro wrestling, but within other Japanese dojo systems like sumo. When Kyoko was still an FMW rookie in 1993, she was responsible for Sabu and some of the others during the tour. Once, when Kyoko brought Sabu along while they went grocery shopping, Sabu paid for all of the groceries at the register while Kyoko wasn't looking. Kyoko was unbelievably grateful for this and would never forget his kindness. In 2005, Sabu contracted a mysterious virus that left him temporarily paralyzed and kept him out of the ring for 10 months. So friends and fans of his from around the world pitched in and held benefit shows to help him pay for his medical bills. In Japan, Sumie Sakai organized the show We Love Sabu, a benefit event in April 2005. It was a small card of mostly ex-FMW wrestlers, ones Sabu worked with early on in his career. It was held at Differ Ariake in Tokyo. Koko reached out to Sakai and insisted she be involved with the show. She ended up wrestling Emi Sakura in the first match of night two. Wrestling on that show was important to Kyoko, but even more important than that was that she would get a chance to thank him in person for buying her groceries all those years before. She'd never forget. At the show, Sabu remembered the story and deeply appreciated Kyoko's thankfulness. Stepping into the dark ages. The industry had changed quite drastically by the time Kyoko returned to Japan. Unfortunately, pro wrestling just wasn't as popular as it was back in 1993 when she first trained with FMW before having to retire from knee injuries. MMA had skyrocketed in popularity by the early 2000s. Reality was in, and by the turn of the century, most mainstream fans favored a realistic sports-like product. Companies like K1 and Pride provided this in spades and essentially cornered the sports entertainment market in Japan while many traditional pro wrestling companies would transition into what journalist, author, and historian Fumi Saito calls the dark ages of pro wrestling in Japan. Traditional pro wrestling survived the so-called dark ages, though many groups suffered early in the decade. New Japan and All Japan, the big two. New Japan Pro Wrestling and All Japan Pro Wrestling, the big two in Japan for decades, were struggling to fill mid-sized venues during this time. FMW, where Kyoko first trained in 1993, was out of business by early 2002. 
even All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling, the biggest women's wrestling company in the world, and at the time the longest running promotion in the world, male or female, finally folded in 2005. Between the smaller gates and no consistent cash flow, smaller independent groups faded into obscurity. Pro wrestling lost a lot of its momentum in the eyes of most fans. Women's wrestling in the early 2000s suffered the same issues, just in a more bitter fashion. While All Japan Women's and Joshi Wrestling in general enjoyed a massive boom period in both the 80s and the 90s, the Dark Ages were a struggle for all, especially for Joshi groups, which have always been overshadowed by the general mass appeal men's wrestling had. By 2005, Kyoko began freelancing more often for companies like JWP, Oz Academy, Wave, Sendai Girls, and other independents, or even non-Joshi promotions. Between 2006 and 2008, Kyoko took part in bloody death matches in Big Japan Pro Wrestling and other indies around Japan. Her goal, according to Fumi Saito, was that she wanted to do every style of pro wrestling. Hardcore, comedy, deathmatch, shoot style, everything. She also wanted to be heel just as much as she wanted to play babyface. But why all the trouble in such a dark period for Pro Resu? The answer is simple and stark. Kyoko Kimura's passion for pro wrestling is as immense as it is inevitable. Tropical Excursion After a few more years of freelancing around the Tokyo scene, Kyoko had established a name on the scene in Japan. In 2010, Super Delphin offered to bring her down to work for his upstart Japanese Lucha Libre group Okinawa Pro Wrestling. Delphin's only condition was that Kyoko would have to move to Okinawa. Without hesitation, she took the offer. Hana, who was in 8th grade at the time, actually wanted to move with her mother to Okinawa, which made the decision all that much easier for Kyoko. While in Okinawa, Kyoko wrestled constantly as Anna attended junior high school. The two spent their free time together on the island biking, swimming, camping, all as much as they could. They enjoyed the free-spirited island lifestyle together. Hana also joined a pop idol group and a hip-hop dance troupe in Okinawa while they were there. Hana also joined a pop idol group and a hip-hop dance troupe in Okinawa. Hip-hop dance, which was experiencing a surge in popularity among teenage girls in Japan at the time, was something Hana was very passionate about. She loved it, but she knew it wasn't her destiny. Hana even went on record saying that she knew dancing wouldn't pay her bills. The move to MMA. Kyoko Kimura debuts for Pancrase. In around 2011-2012, Okinawa Pro eventually closed down for good. Kyoko and Hana decided to stay a little bit longer in Okinawa after this. While Hana finished junior high, Kyoko would move on and begin to train for MMA. In November 2011, Kyoko had her first MMA bout in Pancrase. It was a TKO win over established judoka and female MMA pioneer Megumi Yabushita after Dr. Stoppage. Hana would work at least one show as a ring girl for Pancrase during this time. Kyoko's final three fights with Pancrase consisted of one more win and a draw and a loss to ex-UFC fighter Rin Nakai 
leaving her with an MMA record that of today stands at 2-1-1. One, one. By the time Kyoko had wrapped up her short stint as MMA fighter and Okinawa Pro had fully closed down, she was again wrestling regularly on the Tokyo independent scene. Kyoko and Hana had actually moved back to Tokyo a little bit after Kyoko's first fight. Hana would finish her primary school studies at an international high school in Tokyo before graduating. It was on one afternoon around this time when Kyoko took Hana out for lunch in Harajuku and asked her about becoming a wrestler. Hana explained that sooner or later, she knew that it was what she was. Becoming a wrestler was her destiny, something she knew she was unable to control. To quote Hana herself, I don't like or dislike wrestling, it's just a part of me. Full Bloom Vibrant, lively, innocent, and naive were the words used to describe Hanakamura to Fight Game Media. Hana disliked wrestling as a child. While she pursued hip-hop dance until high school, she quickly lost interest in it when she was forced to dance to put money on the table. It stopped being fun, she said. I thought dance would be more enjoyable as a hobby. Pro wrestling was a realistic option for me. Most people who become wrestlers, their parents are usually against it or have some kind of prejudice against it. So it's kind of a strange profession to choose. But for me, it was like carrying on the family business. It was a staple job. Pro wrestling was the safe choice. For me, pro wrestling wasn't something interesting. It was part of everyday life. Pro wrestling coursed through Hanakamura like energy or blood. It's just a part of me, she'd say often. I didn't really think I loved my pro wrestler mom. I was in elementary school or junior high school. I'd have to watch my mom getting booed. I'd have to watch her bleed. Have to watch her make other people bleed. Of course, that was hard at first. Hana was charmed by her fearless heel wrestler mom, Kyoko Kimura, but as she matured, her perspective on their relationship developed into something more complex. As she grew older, Hana started questioning her mother's heel behavior in the ring. I'd scold her when she came home. Why are you being a bad person, I'd tell her. She'd soon realize how different a life she lived compared with those of her classmates. Hana said, I thought, how come other kids watch movies or visit the aquarium on weekends, but I always get dragged to wrestling shows every week? Hana never felt pressured by her mother to become a wrestler, though. She had a choice, according to Fumi Saito. Well, before I started, I promised my mom that I'd do three years minimum. While Hannah loved modeling, singing, and dancing throughout high school, she knew she would end up as a wrestler because it was always on her mind. I don't really have any hobbies, and my life is like thinking about professional wrestling and sleeping. Without a match for two weeks, I'd be sick, like 
Why are you here? Aside from professional wrestling, she basically stayed at home and didn't talk to colleagues. I want to spend that time with people from the outside world. Hana's first official step into the business began at the Wrestle One Academy in Tokyo that launched in 2015. The recently folded promotion was a primarily men's company, though training camp spots were open to anyone. Kyoko Kimura didn't want Hana to start out exclusively with just one Joshi company, as she wanted as many options as possible open for Hana. The sky was the limit with her. Hana was entirely in her element at Wrestle One's dojo. By the time she started training, she had already developed many of the more nuanced, intangible skills needed to become a success in pro wrestling, something she developed from living and breathing in the industry since she was two years old. Growing up, Anna would often work concessions at her mom's shows. It was behind counters where she learned to read crowd patterns. She knew exactly when a match was going to end, or at which point of the match the wrestlers were in, all based on what the crowd sounded like or which spots the wrestlers were doing. Once she began training, many realized how internalized Hana's skills were. Wrestling was Hana's sixth sense. Hana was selling her mother's merchandise at a stardom show when she first saw Io Shirai wrestle. Shirai, former WWNXT women's champion, was one of Hana's more modern inspirations. After seeing Shirai wrestle, Hana wondered what it would be like to be part of the show. From a different perspective, it seemed like it would be really interesting. That's what intrigued me. Hana's career took off soon after she graduated from training. Her official debut was with Wrestle One in March 2016, where she lost to fellow Wrestle One trainee and bodybuilder idol Rei Kasaiki. Though Hana would get her win back just one month later in Saitama. It's clear from watching old footage that Anna carried with her an air of confidence and dynamism not often seen in wrestlers so early into their careers. She knew the game like Kobe Bryant did, and at around the same age. I didn't feel like I'm a pro wrestler when I made my debut. Despite living and breathing the industry since birth, Hannah still had trouble finding her footing in pro wrestling. She wouldn't feel comfortable until she had more experience. After working for Stardom, Sendai Girls, Ice Ribbon, and other companies, Hana eventually shifted her perspective and gained professional pride for her craft. Pro wrestling broadcaster and analyst Jim Valley immediately took note of Hana's charisma and presence when he would see her wrestle. Watching her live in person is a different experience. She had something that just didn't come across on TV, Valley said. Valley, along with Fumi Saito, announced the English-language broadcast of the first stardom show in New York in April 2019. Valley was also able to watch Hana wrestle again later that week in Madison Square Garden at New Japan and Ring of Honor's G1 Supercard of Honor, and once more in January 2020 at the Tokyo Dome on day one of New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom card. Valley said, at the Dome, she had so much confidence, especially compared to the other girls. The ring was her home. Hana's ring generalism was apparent wherever she went. She was a storm, like her mother, an inevitable force inside squared circles. She is the reason the women got a match on the G1 Supercard, Valley added. 
Hana and Kyoko would team a few times before squaring off against each other in June of her debut year. Proactive as she is, Kyoko organized an independent produced show in Shinkipa entitled Hana, a celebration of her daughter's first year in the ring. While it was, in fact, a celebration, during the match, Kyoko showed no mercy in her match with her daughter, Hana, blasting her in the hamstring with a stiff low kick shortly after the bell rang. One wrestler who worked with Kyoko Kimura told me just how nasty Kyoko's kicks felt. The wrestler said, The first time she kicked me, it was brutal. Like, it forced me to sell, the wrestler said. Those close with Kyoko and Hana were also aware of how vicious their real-life fights were. And in their first stages... Those who were close with Hana and Kyoko were also aware of how vicious their real-life fights were. And in their first singles match, they echoed that sentiment. They beat on each other like bitter rivals from the bell. And later, they exchanged hard forearm shots and missile drop kicks as the small, enthusiastic crowd inside first ring shouted in support of young Hana. In the end, Kyoko submitted Hana with a Jujigatame arm lock for the win, but it was clear a star was made in Hana. After the match, Kyoko grabbed the mic and screamed something that loosely translates to, Hey! That hurt, you bastard. What made this more special was how we, the audience, were privileged to watch Kyoko transfer her distinct energy and intensity and spirit into Hana, live, in front of people. It wasn't just a rookie match, but a coming-of-age ceremony. Kyoko retires. With Hana's career now steady in motion, Kyoko decided it was time to move aside and let Hana develop without her and Hana's shadow. Kyoko Kimura's retirement event, Last Afro, featured herself, Hana, and Isao versus Minoru Suzuki, Meiko Satomura, and Aja Kong. Kyoko actually married the wrestler Isao, or Isao Kobayashi, a Pancreas fighter in 2016, but it was a short-lived marriage and only lasted a year and three months. Kyoko's unfettered approach to life may or may have been a factor in their split. It was her way or the highway, and that was that. That's the type of person she is. She's crazy, but in a good way, a wrestler who worked with both Kyoko and Hanakamura told Fight Game Media. And she's so strong. Fumi Saito put it firmly. It's always Kyoko's call. Always. Across the Pacific. Hana would continue working as a freelancer over the next few years. In 2018, she was sent to Mexico for three months on a learning excursion for DTU and Chaos. She worked almost exclusively with veteran Maria Pachi in her matches. It's in Mexico where she picked up new grappling techniques like the octopus stretch submission, which later would become her signature hold, like her mother. Actually, much of Hana's in-ring offense was based on her mother's moveset. Namely, she inherited Kyoko's running Yakuza kick to a dazed opponent, as well as Kyoko's distinct shotgun drop kick, which Hana used in nearly every match she had. She replicated her mother's form and technique completely, identically, an obvious extension of Kyoko. Flower Power By 2019, Hana was in full bloom. 
In March, she officially signed to an exclusive deal with Stardom, and a month later she wrestled in the dark match on G1 Supercard, making her one of the six wrestlers to have a non-WWE pro wrestling match inside Madison Square Garden. It's 1960. On the night before her MSG debut, Hannah also wrestled on Stardom's American Dream Card in New York City, which aired live on Fight TV. Hannah teamed with Bobby Tyler as part of another multi-person three-way tag match early on in the show. She scored the pin for her team after putting down Brittany Blake with a signature Kimura Family missile dropkick. Jim Valley and Fumi Saito, who handled English announcing duties for the show, spent a lot of time putting over how much of a star Hannah would be in the future since she had assigned to stardom full-time. Saito even mentioned she could be the next rock. Later in September 2019, Hana would go on to win the five-star Grand Prix tournament, Stardom's annual round robin. Hana had a good match with Hazuki and a decent final bout over Konami that year, her Tokyo Cyber Squad stablemate at the time. The win was beautiful in retrospect, albeit unintentionally. Hana had finally avenged her mother's loss in the finals of the very first Stardom five-star Grand Prix in about seven years and one week from the day it happened. It was clear to most fans where this was going. This was the beginning of the Hana Kimura era. Part 4. Epilogue Is Hanukkah an angel? Irving Shaw God was here but he left early. That keeps coming to my mind for some reason, Misaito explained to me. Some are convinced she is. Kyoko Kimura spent much of the summer of 2020 speaking with Japanese media in an effort to call out Fuji TV and directors of Terrace House for irresponsible and errant practice regarding Hana. She explained to Mainichi Daily, Cast members are in a weak position. There's no way they're in a place to say that they can't do something they're asked to. Like with people who are victims of harassment, the harasser may say they perceive there to be no coercion, but for the person affected, it's different. Kimura also started a subscriber-only blog to express herself more candidly. She's also been outspoken about ending anonymous online harassment and called on people to stop spreading hate on Twitter. This is indicative of Kyoko's character, though. As mentioned in part two, Kyoko Kimura is inevitable. Anakimura's legend has undoubtedly grown despite her absence. Fans across the globe have created tributes, written and otherwise, to Hana's memory. Ring of Honor dedicated an entire episode of their weekly television show to Hana, on top of the many documentaries and tributes to her on Japanese television over the year. The question of, will fans forget Anakimura, has seemingly been answered and fans across the world can rest easy in that she'll always be around in some form or another. She is clearly unforgettable. The story of Hana and Kyoko is, really, a story about two free spirits exploring life together, regardless of cultural norms. They are both citizens of the world, not only Japan. In teaching Hana the philosophy of pro wrestling, Hana found freedom within it, and at a young age, 
She understood as a child how liberating the pro wrestling lifestyle could be, which led her to having an expert mind for the ring at 22. In stardom, Hana was often placed in charge of her team for trios matches. She was that trusted. It was as if Kyoko's iron will was on loan to her. Hana absorbed Kyoko's free spirit early on and it stayed inside of her. Kyoko once said, For the 15 years I was doing it, I would always show up to matches ready to compete. The thing that fueled me was my wish to work hard for Hana. But according to Fumi Saito, Hana left before Kyoko's story had finished. I don't think the story is over yet, Saito said. In 2020, between pandemic restrictions, the Terrace House situation, Bushiroad's purchase and overhaul of stardom, Hana's life changed in a blink from living and breathing wrestling to having nothing but online slander. Hana would at first respond to the hate, but it would lead to more bullying. She played a heel role on the show and when wrestling for stardom, but she played it so well that many believed that was her true nature. Though everyone from inside wrestling knew better and spoke otherwise of her, Hana Kimura was the total opposite of a heel in real life. For example, the aforementioned Jim Valley, who did the English commentary on Stardom's New York City show with Fumi Saito, shared with did Hana's true nature. After the Stardom show in New York City finished, Valley and the rest of the crew walked to a nearby restaurant for a celebratory dinner. Valley saw Hana and wrestler Momo Watanabe walking a few hundred feet in front of him, sharing an umbrella in the New York City rain, laughing arm in arm. He said, They were two teenage girls being teenagers, Valley recalled. According to Fumi Saito, the story of Hana and Kyoko Kimura isn't over yet. Hana Kimura lives on inside of Kyoko and her essence only grows with time. To many, she was a beacon of hope, the shooting star of 2020, the person who'd lead women's wrestling into the future, only to leave early. She had to though, as it's the only way she brought us all here today, together. The following was written by Tay Nuttan. The only thing worthy of you is compassion. Invincible, limitless, unconditional. Hatred will never let you face the beast in man. One day, when you face this beast alone, your courage intact, your eyes kind, untroubled, even as no one sees them. Out of your smile, will bloom a flower. And those who love you will behold you across 10,000 worlds of birth and dying. Special thank you to Fumi Saito, Farah Hasnain, Jim Valley, and Garrett Gonzalez. Also, a special thanks to talent who 
spent a lot of their time talking with me about Anna and Kyoko Kimura. Endless thanks. 